This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Paul Stone each and every week doing the uh, doing the College of Best Bets. Paul, back from the State Fair of fried Oreos and all kinds of good stuff. And, Paul, I got to tell you, uh, I've seen a lot of games, and sometimes I'm, I'm a little reluctant to give UT a little praise, but I thought that was the game of the year. I thought both teams were really, really good. Both teams had a lot of defense physicality. It wasn't just as tempo. I thought both teams were very organized, you know, with the coach. And I can, I can nitpick on some of the uh, the end clock management, uh, leaving Oklahoma too much time. But how about it, man? Uh, was it as good as it seemed on TV? Yeah, I tell you, I've been to, uh, as a sports writer or as a fan, which I was on uh, Saturday. My wife and I just fans in the stands. I've uh, probably been to close to 25 of these games. First one way back as a little uh, little lad, uh, Earl Campbell, senior season <laughs> of 1977. So I've been to a lot of them, and it just never seems to disappoint. You know, there were some years in there over the last 20 years when Oklahoma's had the upper hand and had some blowouts, and of course the blowout by Texas last year. But this this was one to to rank uh, among the best uh, that I've been to and the best in recent years. You know, both teams, as you said, played at a high level. You know, it ultimately you, you could talk about this game and the final outcome and bring up so many different plays and so many different components of it. But it comes down to Texas turned the ball over three times. Uh, Oklahoma played a very clean football game, had zero turnovers. So they were plus three in the turnover uh, category. Texas committed more penalties for more yards than they had all season, failed to get it in from one yard out in four plays in the fourth quarter, so forth and so on. But Oklahoma was the better team, but Texas certainly uh, showed that it's, uh, you know, deserves probably to be among the nation's elite uh, as well. And these teams will probably meet again in early December in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. I can't, I can't see how they will, uh, how they won't. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, note to the uh, SEC schedule makers and Commissioner Greg Sankey leg. But uh, I mean, after Auburn, Alabama, I mean, I'm an, I'm an SEC guy. This is the best rivalry. I mean, this game has to play uh, every year. I mean, this is that is, it's a great spectacle. It's 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 good for uh, college football. So we will see. Because certainly Nick Saban, uh, he's got uh, Greg Sankey's ear. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's get to the picks uh, this week, Paul. We go down to Tampa, Florida. Battle of uh, two uh, Florida teams. Florida Atlantic going into South Florida to play them. The Bulls are minus two points here. Yeah, you got two first-year coaches here. Uh, Alex uh, Golish there at uh, South Florida. And, of course, Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic. And and I really like the job that both have done. But certainly uh, that Alex Golish who was most previously Josh Heupel's offensive coordinator at Tennessee, the job that he's done there in Tampa to this point. He inherited a program, first of all, that dating back to late 2019, they were 4 
and 33 in their previous 37 games. Of course, these days in the age of the transfer portal, you can turn around a program very quickly. Uh, Golish has certainly done that in Tampa with approximately 50 new players on the roster. But the flip side of that also is the attrition. South Florida lost their best offensive players to other teams, to Power 5 teams in the offseason, two of the most notables being last year's top two receivers, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. South Florida's top two receivers last year, Coach Prime's top two receivers in Boulder this year, and then they also had a real dynamic kind of a Swiss Army knife, a a small running back and return man, Brian Batty, who rushed for almost 1,200 yards last year, a big-time player in the kickoff return game as well. Uh, and he left for Auburn in the offseason. So they lost some big-time players as well. But through it all, Golish, he has South Florida at 3-3 three and three, uh, at the season's midpoint, squarely in contention to achieve bowl eligibility. Uh, and it's all about the offense for the Bulls and uh, primarily about their dynamic dual-threat quarterback, Byron Brown. Uh, first of all, if you look at that offense, I take away, for purposes of this illustration, the 17-3 to loss to a- Alabama – they're punching so far up in class in that game. So if you subtract that game and look at their other five games, they're averaging 36.6 points per game. So they're pretty good offensively. Uh, that quarterback, again, Brown, 6'3", 210 pounds. He's thrown for 1,483 yards. He's rushed for another 466. Leads the Bulls in both categories. Uh, USF, they're coming off a disappointing uh, 56-35 defeat at UAB. Uh, Florida Atlantic, on the other hand, they won their conference opener at home 20-17 to over Tulsa. I made this line four and a half. I think there's some value with South Florida uh, at minus two or two and a half. Uh, take the, uh, the Bulls at under a field goal to knock off Florida Atlantic. Get extra value this football season with Bet River Squares. You can win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet $10 in same-game parlays on any game with the Squares icon to earn a square. Brought to you by our friends over at Bet Rivers. All right, let's go to the big one in South Bend. What a schedule for Notre Dame. Well, it finally caught up with them against Louisville. They were... They were very low on emotional uh, fuel uh, in, as Louisville beat them handily. Very sloppy uh, in that game as well. Were they exhaling in that spot looking to, uh, look to this one against uh, undefeated top five USC? Notre Dame now is up to two and a half, minus 109, a little less juice at Bet Rivers right now, Paul. Yeah, but I'll tell you, in this game, first of all, Southern Cal obviously comes in undefeated. It's playoff hopes intact. Uh, And on the other sideline, you have a two-loss Notre Dame team that's almost certainly eliminated from playoff consideration. And as you said, off a disappointing 33-20 defeat at Louisville, uh, that capped a three-game stretch of really highly competitive, uh, hard-fought contest. I certainly acknowledge the fact in this handicap that Notre Dame may be running low on emotional gas. Their offensive coordinator, Gerard uh, Parker, their first-year offensive coordinator, under intense fire there at uh, in South Bend. But, you know, that's how fan bases are. You lose and they get upset and want to send everybody packing. But they do have a little turmoil there in South Bend right now. Uh, and, again, looking at the Trojans, they're undefeated, uh, squarely in the playoff hunt, as we said. But they've certainly displayed, without question in my mind, signs of vulnerability the last few weeks looking at this past weekend against Arizona, 
They fall behind at home, does Southern Cal, 17-0 early in the second quarter. They ultimately rally to defeat the Wildcats 43-41 in triple overtime. But here's why I like why I like Notre Dame in this matchup Saturday night in South Bend. Prior to facing USC, Arizona had played three Power Five schools, those being Mississippi State, Stanford, and Washington. And in those three games, they failed to rush for more than 145 yards in any of those games, failed to average four yards per carry in any of those games. But then they go out last week against USC. They rushed for 203 yards. They average almost five yards a carry. And unheralded Jonah Coleman carries 22 times for 143 yards against the Trojans. So that begs the question, what is Notre Dame's Audric Estime, 230 pounds, physical, a rough customer, 692 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. What is he going to do against that rush defense Saturday night? I think, uh, you know, I, I, their offensive line uh, didn't look particularly strong last week against Louisville. I think they rebound here. I think the Irish pound the rock, feed it to Estime, lean on the Trojans. Uh, they have one of the top cornerback tandems also on defense, does Notre Dame, and Benjamin uh, Morrison and uh, Cam um, Hart there at cornerback. So they can, they're not going to stop the Trojans' passing game and Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams, but I think they can slow them down some. Another thing we're uh, recording here on Tuesday, October 10th, four days before the game, weather forecast can change. But currently, the forecast Saturday night in South Bend, 50% chance of rain, but more importantly, winds 10 to 20 miles per hour. If those winds are prevalent, present Saturday night, I think that benefits Notre Dame. Run the ball with Estime. Um, take the, you know, keep the Trojans off the field. I like Notre Dame to rebound minus two and a half over Southern Cal. I'm glad this worked out because that's a primetime game one. NBC, sort of the appetizer. Boy, in, a, in as good of a year as I can ever remember for the Pac-12. In their last year, uh, what a game we have in this one. Washington now minus three, minus 108. There's some two and a halfs out there. Uh, so light juice at Bet Rivers right now could easily go to two and a half. And I would I would probably suggest uh, to wait to get, it get, does go there. I think it's going to go there. That's a 3.30 Eastern kickoff on ABC Michael Penix Jr., my goodness, how good has he been? This will be a great atmosphere, a little sailgating in Seattle, Paul, for the big one in Seattle. Yeah, I tell you, you know, we talk about that USC-Notre Dame game, and now we've got Washington and Oregon, a, a Pac-12 game on the same weekend. And as highly anticipated as that Texas-Oklahoma showdown was this past week, I think, you know, true college football fans – uh, have to put this Oregon-Washington showdown kind of in that same category. You got two of the nation's top offenses. They both average over 40 points a game, over 500 yards a game. You've got the two outstanding quarterbacks and Michael Penix Jr. for Washington, Bo Nix for Oregon. Uh, both started their careers at other schools, both uh, firmly, in my opinion, in the Heisman Trophy race. This game not only has Pac-12 implications, it has national playoff implications and then you mentioned the uh, the setting I don't know that it gets any better than an autumn uh, Saturday in Husky Stadium uh, overlooking Lake Washington so just all the elements Saturday afternoon for a great game and looking at these two quarterbacks 
First of all, Penix, he's thrown for 1,999 yards. He's completed 75% of his throws, 16 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio, averaging 11.2 yards per pass attempt. And then you look at Nix, the former Auburn quarterback, he's thrown for 1,459 yards, an insane 80% of his throws have been completed, a 15 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, averaging nine yards attempt. So these two guys, two of the very best in college football at the quarterback position this year. It clearly, in what uh, would appear to be a high-scoring game, comes down to scoring touchdowns, uh, having to settle for field goals, uh, might get you beat in this particular game. Looking at Oregon's road performance to date, they've only played two road games, so this will be their third time on the road. Uh, Two weeks ago in their last game on September 30th in Palo Alto against Stanford, got off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, but they rebounded to defeat the Cardinal 42-6. But in week two, we'll remember Oregon trailed Texas Tech on the road 27-18 entering the uh, final quarter had to rally for a field goal to take the lead late in the game, ultimately won 38-30. This Washington team clearly better than that team. It just comes down to those Washington receivers and Penix uh, for me. I mean, you look at uh, Adunze, Polk, and now Jalen McMillan, their third receiver who's missed the last two games but returns here after an injury. It's just hard to cover those guys. I think they're a little bit better offensively, (laughs) a little bit better all around. I like Washington minus the points. Man, I, I haven't seen a guy this year in college <clears throat> excuse me, in college football that I mean he's hitting these receivers on a dead sprint. I mean, it is it is impressive. I mean, I don't care who you play in. I mean, that is it's impossible to guard uh when you get it when you had your timing is down that much. I mean, guys, I, I'm thinking he's throwing the ball away sometimes, Paul. I mean, right on right on the run. Um, I'm the one, Paul. I'm the guy who has the Pac-12 network. And I was buckled down in my media room on Saturday. And I got to tell you, you know, and visiting out with Ed Ogeron and some others that USC, UCLA, and checking out their facilities and stuff like that, you know, they always fought sort of that soft image. It's, it's the weather is so relaxing and on the beach and everything else. And, you know, one thing when Ogeron went to USC as, as an assistant, he had wanted to try to change the physicality of his team. I'm impressed with this UCLA defense. I mean, this they are legit. I mean, Cam Ward was putting it on everybody, and they had him completely flustered. This was unbelievable. Keep in mind that UCLA had that the freshman made a, a poor throw, third and goal from the five, and a 95-yard pick six, the second-to-last play of the first half to give Washington State a 10-9 lead. UCLA dominated this game, and it's all based on their defense, stop after stop after stop. You're looking at this uh, total, Oregon State, a great running game. You know, that offensive line and Martinez a running back. DJU is hit or miss. He'll make some throws. He will miss some throws. You're looking at the total at 54-and-a-half here in Corvallis, Oregon State hosting UCLA. Yeah, and as you did, I'm going to talk a little bit about that UCLA defense. You know, coming into the game uh, last week against UCLA, Washington State's quarterback, uh, Cam Ward, you know, you could have probably considered him a fringe Heisman Trophy contender. He was really on his game, had showed market improvement from his first year uh, as a starter last year to this year. But, I mean, in that game, like you said, th- this score, 25-17, the final, very misleading. UCLA a- absolutely dominated Washington State. 
Uh, the Cougars, I don't have it in front of me, but just a little over 200 total yards. I know they had 11 first downs only, which is not very many in a college football game. Only averaged 3.7 yards per play. And what's really crazy about this is you look at their personnel as you analyze these rosters in the offseason, and I don't think anybody anticipated that UCLA was going to field one of the nation's top defenses to this point in the year, but you look at the numbers through the season's uh, midpoint, and they can certainly stake that claim. They rank in the top 10 in scoring defense, total defense. They've allowed 13.5 points per game, uh, right at 260 yards per game in four games versus FBS opponents. All four of those four games against FBS opponents this year have not only gone under the total they have soared under the total by an average of 19.4 points per game. So they've really been playing to the under. You spoke of uh, Oregon State's transfer quarterback, DJ Uyangale, coming off perhaps his best start of his uh, career at his new school. He completed 19 of 25 passes for 275 yards and five touchdowns, uh, zero interceptions in the Beavers' uh, 52-40 victory at Cal last week. But I don't see that kind of scoring in this one. As you mentioned, Oregon State's bread and butter is that running game uh, headed by Damian Martinez. He's rushed for 586 yards uh, through five games, averaging 6.5 yards per carry. Uh, the Beavers actually only pass 45% of their offensive plays. So they are, again, primarily a run team. I don't think they're going to pass it any more than 25 times against the Bruins. And part of that's because the Bruins are really good at rushing the passer. They rank in the top 15 nationally in sacks. So they get to the quarterback uh, well as, uh, you know, as other parts of their defense. They're just uh, good across the board defensively. I made this total 47 and a half. And when I make totals, I use a, a kind of a fairly complex formula. It actually showed 44 and a half points. I made an adjustment to 47 and a half. So I say take under the 54 and a half UCLA. Oregon State, Saturday at Research Stadium. Get a little favorable juice right now at Pet Rivers as well at minus 107. So uh, there you go with the uh, uh, with Oregon State, UCLA under. Paul, are you sure about something you said earlier when you talk about Notre Dame's offensive coordinator? He, you think the fans get upset, college football fans get upset, and they want to fire people? When I come back in my second life, I want to be a fired SEC head football coach. That's what I want to do. So, I mean, they, they, we throw more money around here for guys, for guys to not work than anywhere else, any other industry uh, in the world. Great stuff, Paul. He's back fresh from the, the Dallas, uh, the Texas State Fair, and that incredible OU-Texas game uh, in, uh, in Dallas. Uh, each and every week, Paul Stone's best bets right here on the Sports Better's Paradise. For Paul Stone, I'm Jimmy Ott on the Bet Rivers Network.